Let's read again from Romans 9, the verses that we're going to be studying this morning. Romans 9, verse 30 to 33. What then shall we say that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith? But Israel, who pursued a law of righteousness, has not attained it. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, See, I lay in Zion a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. The Jews stumbled. The Gentiles, by and large, didn't stumble. It's amazing that they didn't. Someone has said that uh, it's remarkable that anyone would join the church in the first 300 years of her existence. Such was a persecution against her. But the Jews uh, took offence. They stumbled or took offence. Some people are always taking offence in all walks of life. Uh, they're offended. Uh, offended if you don't speak to them. Uh, offended if you're over familiar uh, in speaking to them. They're offended. Uh, Organise a fundraising event at a parent teachers association. Uh, some will be offended if they're asked to do something. Others will be offended if uh, they're not asked to do anything. People get offended easily. But the trouble with being offended is that uh, the reason lies within themselves. And ultimately, uh, it's to do with pride. People think too much about themselves, care over much about their own importance. And people see through that. People realise that folks that are continually taking offence and going off in the half have got a problem with pride. And that was the case with the Jewish people under the rejection of Jesus. Uh, as we're going to see, they took offence at Jesus. They had a proud position of thinking that they knew better about God's way of salvation. And they went into the half when uh, God came up with a different plan from that which they had envisaged. Essentially, as we finish Romans 9, uh, we're looking at uh, the, the flip side, if you will, of the reason for the rejection of the gospel by the majority of the Jewish people. The emphasis, as we, as we know, has been on God's sovereignty. God is ultimately the reason why some believe and some don't. God chooses people to salvation uh, and passes over others. God has always done that. It's always been his way. God foretold that as regards Israel, it would be a remnant, a part of Israel, rather than the whole of ethnic Israel, who would be saved. And his choice is fair, because it's God's right to show mercy. Mercy isn't something which can be demanded. Mercy is always discretionary. And it doesn't mean that people can lay the blame on not being saved, on God's election. People like Pharaoh... Uh, who is used as an illustration of someone whose heart God had hardened, we're told Pharaoh hardened his own heart, as well as God hardening his heart. 
Uh, so God doesn't harden the hearts of, of decent uh, people who are striving uh, after God. He hardens the heart of sinners who are intent on rejecting God. But now in these closing verses, uh, we shift from uh, God's sovereignty to human responsibility. And the context uh, is, or the emphasis rather, is the, res- the responsibility of people, and in the context of Jewish people, to accept God's gift and not be offended because salvation doesn't match up with how they think it should. Straight away, let me say, this is a, a powerful challenge to you this morning. Uh, if you are here in church and you are still halting, still hesitating from trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. As we go through these verses, I want you to be thinking, am I holding back from faith in Jesus Christ? Because uh, even although I may not be acknowledging it, I'm offended at the fact that I can't put in my own tuppence worth and have to accept it on my knees as a free gift from God and on God's terms. Could it be that someone this morning is stumbling over the gospel because the gospel is God's free gift and God insists that it is received without us contributing our own works? that's the case with you, then you're called by God to humble yourself and to to simply accept his way of salvation, to accept Jesus on his terms and not your own. Paul tells us in these verses, first of all, that the Gentiles obtained righteousness though they didn't pursue it. Uh, Secondly, that Jews uh, didn't attain righteousness though they pursued it. And thirdly, the reason that the Jews didn't attain this righteousness is that they stumbled over the way that God decreed his righteousness should come. So, first of all, the Gentiles obtained righteousness. First of all, uh, let's clear out the way a couple of these technical words that we don't use uh, when we're down uh, in Tesco's. Gentiles, simply a word which means a non-Jewish person. Anyone who is not part of the ancient uh, people of Israel is a Gentile. And righteousness, righteousness um, has got different shades of meaning in the Bible, and the context is important. Uh, sometimes it can mean uh, the, the, the good works or practice of a godly life. Here the emphasis is on uh, a righteous Status, In other words, acceptance before God. And we've got a, a, a contrast as well uh, between the obtaining of something and the attaining of something. Uh, the gift of righteousness, the gift of a righteous status before God is a righteousness by faith. Paul said a lot about that in the beginning of Romans. And it is a gift which is received, something which is credited to us, not something that we earn. It stresses receiving as a gift. The Gentiles obtained 
righteousness. They received God's gift. You don't work to get a gift. The idea of earning a gift is is, uh, completely illogical. You simply have to be willing to receive it. Uh, You obtain it because it's given to you. And all over uh, the uh, known world, non-Jewish people, Gentiles, were obtaining a right status with God. The apostles and Paul came to town and spoke to them about a saviour. The first missionaries had a message which was radically new uh, to those first century uh, listeners. They spoke about God coming and taking on our humanity. They spoke about a victory that had seemed at first sight to be a defeat, a victory that was earned through a man dying on the cross, about a God who loved us so much that he had given us his son, about that son Jesus who had lived a perfect life, uh, who though he had done no wrong was condemned by human courts to death on a cross, but it was to be the sacrifice for our sin. And the Christian missionaries had urged the non-Jews, the Gentiles, to put their trust in Jesus and to accept him as their righteousness, to believe that all that Jesus had done was sufficient to make them right with God and to give them the hope of eternal life. And they believed. They believed in huge numbers. Whereas the Jews were so convinced it was too good to be true and rejected the message The non-Jews believed. And it was the same everywhere Paul and the the apostles went. They went first to the Jew because Jews had priority. Jesus himself had been a Jew, so they went to the synagogue. And the Jews uh, chased them out of town. But the non-Jews turned to the living God. And in some ways that was perplexing. Because the Jews were the world leaders in Morality, they had the highest standards and the purest religion. They could be said to pursue righteousness, as Paul puts it in verse 30. But that wasn't true of the Gentiles. In fact, you could say it was the very opposite uh, in the case of the Gentiles. They pursued immorality. They went for it with uh, every uh, ounce of their energy. In Romans 1, Paul has characterized the non-Jews, non-Jewish society, as being darkened in their thinking, impure, idolaters, covetous, malicious, envious, murderers, deceitful, and gossips. And yet, and yet, they obtained righteousness. How perplexing for the Jews. How perplexing for the Jews. I have a friend who was perplexed in much the same way when he was beaten to the head of the queue for righteousness. Uh, Boyd had been taking Christianity very seriously for some time. Uh, He had gone to a a village where he was uh, really trying to find out what he had to do to get right with God. And he was reading his Bible. Uh, He thought he was thinking in a very legalistic way, so he thought that uh, if he was going to uh, achieve what he wanted, he would go to the strictest uh, of the churches uh, that were on the ecclesiastical menu 
in that particular village. Uh, He was showing earnest, uh, but he still had no peace, no assurance that God had accepted him. And then one Sunday, something uh, quite unusual happened. He was there uh, in his place at the back of the church, uh, and the service had started when this biker came in. And the biker came in with no concern, seemingly, about the uh, the fact that he was disturbing the service. Um, With his helmet under his uh, arm, he walked to the front, uh, much to the annoyance of my friend. Who did he think that uh, he was? What right did he have to muscle into the service, to disturb his train of thought? He who was an earnest seeker after truth, what was this biker doing, going all the way up to the front with everybody's eye on him? I came to the end of the service and the biker had evidently been touched by the word of God and was quite emotionally moved and the minister was down speaking with him about the way of salvation and my friend was perplexed because he had sought God and all what he thought were the right paths. He had been in the strictest church and he was doing all that he could to please God. And here was this guy, came off the street, this scruffy, smelly biker. And he had obtained righteousness. We don't need to do anything to obtain a birthday present. You receive it as a gift. If you thought you had to earn it or qualify it for it in some way, you'd never obtain it. God's righteousness is that gift. All ideas of earning it have to be thrown out the window. We receive through coming with empty hands. But secondly, the Jews, on the other hand, did not attain righteousness. Now, uh, to really uh, get the argument here, we need to notice the difference between the two verbs. On the one hand, the Gentiles are said to have obtained righteousness, where the Jews did not attain. Now, that's not an accidental difference in the verb. Uh, you obtain something. You can obtain something by simply being given it. But uh, to attain something uh, means to arrive at a result or a destination by your effort. You attained uh, to the top of Ben Nevis. You attained at last to your journey's end. And the Jews did not attain righteousness. Why not? Paul says, because they pursued it not by faith, but as it were, by works. You don't attain, you don't get salvation by works. Uh, The way of salvation is the opposite of the way of works. Uh, It is the gift of God. Uh, It's not won, not earned, not attained, not bought, not deserved. It is received. The Jews pursued righteousness, not by faith, but by trying to be good enough for God. And they got nowhere. They got nowhere because that is not God's way. In the early years of of ministry, when uh, we were in Lewis... We ran a, just a, a kind of seeker's Bible study. It was one of those kind of proto-Christianity uh, explored uh, things which were on the go then. And one of the guys who came along to it was uh, a young lawyer uh, who was working in Stornoway at the time and, and living uh, in Barvis. 
And he was, a, he was serious-minded about Christianity, but he couldn't get his head around uh, this business of just accepting righteousness as a gift from God. Uh, it was clear to him that Christians were people who lived to please God. And therefore he argued uh, that he needed to live as well as he could to please God. And then God would accept him. And for weeks he couldn't get out of this bind. I was doing my best to try to explain to him what justification by faith alone was. And uh, there was a blockage. He just couldn't get it. He thought he had to do the good works uh, to please good but he was aware enough to realize that he had never done enough good to qualify himself, and he never would. And then the penny dropped, and he realized that it was simply a case of believing into Jesus. And he got the peace that he looked for. He, he received the gift. That's a great joy, actually, at the, the Will Graham uh, meetings, to meet up with him again with a good bit less hair than he had back uh, in the day, but now working uh, to tell other people that to be right with God is a case of believing in Jesus and not working to earn your salvation. It's not attained, it's obtained by faith. Third, the reason that the Jews did not uh, obtain Righteousness was that they were offended at God's way of salvation through Jesus. They stumbled over Jesus. They stumbled over Jesus. Uh, Paul gives us, uh, it's actually a double quote that we have in verse 33. Uh, he's combined Isaiah 28, verse 16, which says, See, I lay in Zion, uh, see, I lay a stone in Zion. A tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation, the one who trusts will never be dismayed. Uh, and then uh, combining with Isaiah 8 verse 14, where he says, For both houses of Israel, he, that is the Lord, will be a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Now, combining these two together, Paul is demonstrating that they are pointing to Jesus. Uh, he's showing how one interprets the other, one verse interprets the other, which is always the case in the Bible. The Bible is its own interpreter. One part of Scripture interprets the other. So, in Isaiah 8, verse 14, the prophet seems to indicate that the Lord, Yahweh, is the stone which, who causes people to stumble. Right? Yahweh is the stone. But in 28, verse 16, it's clear the stone is someone else that the Lord sets in Zion. In other words, God has given Jesus to be the foundation on whom all of salvation rests. He is the one who carries the full weight of our salvation. He makes it steady. He makes it secure. And whoever puts their trust in Jesus has a sure salvation. They are never going to be dismayed. That's a lovely expression. You will never be dismayed if Jesus is your foundation stone. 
You're never going to get to the end of life and appear before God and think, oh, it was all a mistake. On the contrary, the end will be our happiest day when we meet with Jesus, the judge and the king, and will be accepted by the one who is our saviour. But at the same time, he is a stone that causes people to stumble. People take offence at him and end up rejecting him and therefore losing out on salvation. And such people will be ashamed, dismayed, confounded on the day of judgment. And Paul saying that's why most of the Jews did not receive Christ. They stumbled over Jesus. It's a powerful expression, isn't it? They tripped over Jesus. Instead of wanting to build on him and receive righteousness through him, they took offence at him and they rejected him. I think that's a very powerful picture of uh, rejecting Jesus, tripping over a stone. It's a very powerful picture. A number of years, my, my cousin Sheila ended up in hospital because she injured herself in the street. She had been walking along the pavement and she tripped over uh, an elevated edge of a street drain. Now, you could have said, uh, it would have been unkind, but you could have said, well, she should have watched where she was going. But I think uh, most people regard shop windows and food stands and magazine counters and such like more interesting than pavements. And similarly, the Jews, they had their eyes set on uh, something other than uh, their true Messiah. They weren't looking for a stone that was so low and embedded that he was born in a stable and died on a cross. They had something else in view. And when the true stone came, they tripped over him rather than built on him. And people stumble today for different reasons. Maybe you are stumbling today for a variety of reasons. Uh, when Jesus preached, it was largely uh, his divinity that Jesus' uh, uh, offence, uh, which caused offence, rather, uh, to those who heard him. They said, where did this man, man get these things? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They tripped up over him. Didn't want to know that he was the son of God. I've often quoted that uh, horrendous line by our great Scottish theologian, Billy Connolly, who said, I believe that Jesus... I was a good man, but I can't believe he was the son of God. People still taking offense, stumbling over Jesus' claims to divinity. People take offense not only at Jesus' divinity, but at the exclusiveness of Jesus' claims. You know, in this world where uh, we can, we're entitled to believe in contradictory things. People actually would be quite happy to believe that Jesus was God if they could also believe that there were other ways as well, other than Christianity. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And people do not like that. The idea of there being one truth is anathema uh, to many people today. 
Jesus made it quite clear he wasn't offering himself as a supplement uh, to other uh, ways. He was coming as a radical challenge to people's belief systems. They were going to have to jettison uh, their whole way of thinking if they would uh, take Jesus as their master and as their Lord. You can't say things uh, and, uh, like it's true for me but doesn't need to be true for you if you're a Christian. Jesus is the truth. There is one way to God, Jesus Christ. He will brook no rivals uh, to uh, his uniqueness. U.S. Supreme Court Justice uh, Anthony Kennedy uh, infamously said uh, fairly recently, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. This is the chaos of our day. Uh, You have a right to define the meaning of the universe. What a crazy world. And Jesus alone can bring us eternal life. And that can be most offensive uh, to people. I've been uh, speaking with a very pleasant young man who uh, at present is stumbling over Jesus' claim to be truth. And when we spoke about Jesus' divinity and Jesus' resurrection, uh, his response uh, to this doctrine was, uh, if you insist that people believe this, then you're blocking the door to the church. If you insist that they have to believe that Jesus is God and rose bodily from the grave, you're keeping people away. Of course, that's so not true, isn't it? It's, we want people to come and meet with this Jesus, whether at present they're uh, atheists or agnostics or all kinds of mixed up postmodern people, we want them to come into the place where they will encounter Jesus and his claim. But we can't water down Jesus' claim. We can't offer another Jesus from the one uh, we encounter in the gospel. That would be to give uh, another gospel, which Paul says, is anathema. The wonderful thing about uh, the Church of Jesus Christ is that we invite all kinds of people to come and to meet with Jesus, to be challenged by Jesus, to be transformed by Jesus, to be given faith, to believe into Jesus. And hopefully my friend will uh, not stumble Uh, eventually over this but some do many take offense at the way that god is given uh, for salvation of course this was the chief uh, problem with the jews Uh, god tells us to obtain it with open hands to take it as a gift by faith but the jews wanted to attain righteousness by their efforts and they took offense at the idea that salvation was something that was just a gift something which you uh, simply received We want to contribute something to salvation. We always want to do it. In the 1950s, there was a a cake mix, uh, which was simplicity itself. All you had to do was was add water, beat it up, and and cook it. Uh, And it was bound to be a winner. It was bound to sell uh, in millions, but it didn't. Uh, Because the uh, 1950s cook, largely the 1950s housewife, Uh, was suspicious of something that seemed so easy. 
There has to be something that you have to do. If you're going to have a decent cake at the end of the day, you can't just add water and, and cook it. So this recipe, which had dehydrated eggs in it, was changed so that you now had to add your uh, two eggs. Uh, and you now had something which you could uh, put your own effort into. You had something which you contributed. And essentially, uh, we don't like a salvation that is like a ready-mixed cake. We want to be able to add our own couple of eggs or whatever into that mix so that we can say that we did something at least. God won't accept that kind of joint effort. Salvation is on his terms alone. It's the free gift of God. We don't attain it, but we obtain it by faith in Jesus Christ. So here's a challenge as we close this morning. If you're, if you're stumbling, if you're halting and believing in Jesus, will you not simply take him at his word that if you will believe in him and rest in him and his death for sin, as your death to sin, then you will be a child of God. You will turn your back on your own efforts the idea that you have to contribute your sincerity or your works or whatever, then you will be a true Christian and you will not be ashamed on the last day. And if you are a Christian this morning, what a source of joy and delight that we have this salvation which is complete in every part. Jesus has done it all and we rest in him. He is our justification. He is our sanctification. He is all we ever need. And in him alone, we have hope. May God bless his precious word to us all. Amen. Let's uh, close with...